So as you can imagine, when I get upset, it looks like I have one round eye and I'm lawless. Like, I don't care about God. I don't care about people. So as you can see, the mythology of the Cyclops is basically yourself when you get upset, when you get really angry. Hello and welcome to the Emotional Compass. This is Bodhi. And Abiel. <laughs> that was good. <laughs> I felt like doing a Friar Monk uh, name. <laughs> For you guys that don't know, Abiel used to be a choir boy. And he whoa, whoa, some... whoa, whoa. I was not a choir boy. I well, you started... sang in the church. I sang in a quartet in church and I was part of the choir in school but that was like after i turned 15 so oh. i was a choir adolescent oh bueno okay <laughs> <laughs> i stand corrected he was a choir teenager <laughs> oh my god bringing back the old days maybe one of these days i'll sing you guys a song yeah all right comment Write to us if you want to hear Abiel sing us a song. Right. And if so, just throw one that's really weird and I'll, I'll sing it for you guys. But not too weird because we are a PG-13 podcast. <laughs> I don't know that many songs that are R-rated, but sure. Yeah. Let's keep it PG. <laughs> well, well, you did say you can get weird. So, you know, people can get really weird. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Anyway, so what are we talking about today? Today, we're talking about when the rubber meets the road, dealing with it, dealing with emotions under pressure. Dealing with emotions under pressure. This is actually fantastic because most of the time, your, you know, the amount of time that you have between a, action and reaction is just usually split seconds. And to give that space between action and reaction, it takes a lot of mindfulness. It takes a lot of awareness. The, the longer you wait to react, the more calm and measured your reaction can be. But the thing is that a lot of times you don't have the luxury for that space. I think you have a solution that you have been dabbling with and I'd love to hear more. I, I know you've already told me, I think we need to share this with the world because I thought it was very fascinating. Great. So I've always had performance anxiety since I was a young, a young kid, not as young as a choir boy, but pretty young. <laughs> and I remember when I got into high school, my dad would tell me how important it was for me to get good grades so that I could get scholarships, so I could have the school paid for and basically go to school and become whatever I wanted so that one day I could rule the world. And I remember like studying so hard for this math test and I knew all the problems backwards and forwards and I got like a C on the test. I was like, what the heck? And I remember I had a buddy of mine who like, didn't do any of his homework. I explained him all the problems before we got into the into the class and he got an A. And I was like, what is going on? It's like, I taught him 
how to do these problems and he's he gets an a and i get a c it's like it can't be so in my field i don't i'm not i'm not exposed to a lot of competition i i I do basic engineering design work and i have deadlines that i have to reach maybe a client might get to us that they need things quicker so i have to supplement so that I could have more adventures. And I do that by competing in local golf tournaments. So I've been around golf for over a decade, probably now, close to two decades. I didn't start when I was young. I started when I was in college. And I've, I've approached golf as if it were like basketball or volleyball, like a team sport, when I soon realized that golf is a uh, an individual sport. So to me, it was very interesting going from competing in team sports where I could hype up people, use energy, use emotions to get people riled up to execute with more energy on, on, on the court. Um, most of the time, fear could be overcome through excitement um, or it could be transferred over from nervousness to excitement. And I was very good at getting everybody to that state where we would all be excited to compete, to give it our all, to go for broke. Wait, how did you do that? I kept my energy high, dude. I I was just amped up. I would high five people. I would dive for the ball. I would get a steal. I would do things that I would looking back. I'm like, how the heck did I pull that off? I just had so much excitement and so much energy to be out there and so much joy that that would almost take over my body. And I would just have enough energy and enough umph to get things accomplished. So basically, was, your enthusiasm was so infectious that it uplifted everyone else. That's a perfect way to observe what I was just trying to say. That's it. <laughs> so I would use all that infectious enthusiasm to, to get all my teammates riled up when I was there. Or I would be like high-fiving people after they get off the court. And I did so um, through volleyball and I did so through basketball. And I, I would practice and work on my craft because it's, it's something I really enjoyed doing. But there was always a hiccup. There was so much I could do as an individual versus a team. And when I got to golf, I tried using those tools, but it was not working out. It was just not working out at all. I would get super psyched up and just like the math test i would get a c i would not get an a i would know all the shots i would know how to hit him but when it was time to perform in golf because it you're hitting the ball in less than one second your your intuitive your unconscious takes over your golf shot and you do some weird stuff like i mean really weird ball starts taking a mind of its own like your hands start trembling when you try, you're trying to hit a five-foot putt. Um, you might feel super weak before you hit a chip and you might duff it. It's, it's crazy. For those out there that don't play golf, you're going to realize if you ever take it on that it seems very trivial until you start playing. And before you know it, it's like the most mind-wrecking, nervous activity you could have ever thought about. And it's crazy because the ball is sitting on the ground. It's not even moving. It's not moving. 
<laughs> I know I have experiences because Abiel taught me how to play golf. I didn't know how to play anything. I mean, anything like anything related to golf. And I think I had some beginner's luck where I was like, wow, this is so easy. And then I got really into my mind about the shots and hitting it in a certain direction in a certain way and certain distance where I just lost it then. I was just like, this is so frustrating. Why do people play this sport? It's such a frustrating sport. In the beginning, I was like, wow, this is meditation. This is so relaxing. This is so amazing. And in the end, I was just like, yeah, I wanted to break every club in that bag. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the, the craziest part about golf is that at first you have zero expectations. So like you said, you might have a little bit of beginner's luck. Like my friend that I just taught these formulas and and math equations that he goes to the test and he aces. I'm not taking a, uh, any credit away from his intelligence or his ability to solve a problem, which obviously are very high, but his expectations were pretty low. So he, he took that test without any stress. He's like, I haven't been studying. I, I, I shouldn't even be getting a scoring grade on this. I should be failing this. And all of a sudden he gets an A because his expectations were none. And here I am studying my little heart out, doing all these problems, doing extra credit. And I go take the test and I get a C. And golf is very similar. I would work and work and work at my craft. And before I knew it, my mind would get in the way. Because golf requires you to observe a problem. Let's say you have to hit a ball a certain distance and then the parameters are like how much how much grass is covering the ball. That's going to determine the coefficient of friction, which is going to make the ball spin less or more, which affects also the ball flight, how, how high it climbs or how low it goes. Now I'm getting too technical, but you have to use the left side of your brain, the logical side, and then you have to switch over to the intuitive and the right side of the brain, the non-intuitive, the non-linear, the holistic, your imagination to execute what you just calculated. So that's the hardest part in golf. You have to put on two different hats while you're playing golf. And then on top of that, the more you work on the craft, the higher your expectations are. But in golf, the higher your expectations are, the less apt you are going to be producing that same shot from the intuitive, from the free willing, from the I don't care, I'm just hitting a ball, a piece of ball. So I've been I've been racking my brains on how is it to take my golf game from logical into intuitive and in the process, I have, I have a collection of golf psychology books. Hell, I even, got, I even got certified in hypnosis to try to understand if there's a way that I could hypnotize myself to perform well during the sport. So my conclusion was that, hey, there is no shortcut. The work that you put before a round is going to pay off in that round. But then there are certain elements that will allow for your skill set to flourish during this round. So um, a couple of weeks ago, I was heading out to a golf tournament at a beautiful facility, Black Diamond Ranch. And normally I, I get a little 
amped up and it's hard for me to sleep when I'm too excited. And I had to like do a little meditation that night, make sure that, you know, I did a little bit of walking in the morning to wear myself out. So I, I'm learning how to calm myself down so I could sleep at night. But I got up back at 4.30. Did go to sleep at 10, but I got up super early because I'm so excited about this tournament. And on my ride over to the tournament, I'm like, you know, I start coming from the intuitive. I start coming from the right side of the brain. And something inside of me, just like through free association, said, you know what? Alan Watts has some really good message for you. I was like, all right, let's just open up my YouTube, put the first Alan Watts video I find, boom, it's all synchronicity, right? It's like I get a, I get a little aha moment from my head that says, go Alan Watts. I turn on YouTube, I type Alan Watts chat. The first one comes up, boom, I press it. And he starts mentioning about our experiences with tension and life. I was like, oh, this is perfect. Ding, 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 ding. I'm finding something. <laughs> I'm getting super excited. And he's talking about like the the bridge, your your eyebrows and, and how they 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 frown whenever you're too focused or anxious or upset and how they relax and they allow the energy from the universe to come through that third eye. And I was like, oh, that's really interesting. And it also reminded me of Huberman. What's his first name? Andrew Huberman. I, re I remember how he was talking about the mythology of the Cyclops and actually how your eyes will, will cross a little bit when you're very upset and how they actually will, will become wider because they're absorbing more of the environment. So that was that, the whole field of, of gestalt viewing or soft centering of those who don't know. That's something that when you're looking out, you could see the computer screen and then you could also see both sides of the wall. It's almost like 180 degrees of field of vision. So by going from 180 degrees to a single point, it's something that you could do to focus and then to unfocus. So I'm like, okay. You were going to say something? The only thing I was going to say is because you mentioned the word Cyclops and this is not from the X-Men. <laughs> this, this, this is from Greek mythology where there were giant one-eyed monsters. And that's what, the, that, that's what the significance of the Cyclops is because they had this giant, you know, one eye in the center of their skull. And uh, they were just like lawless creatures that had no social manners and they didn't even fear any gods. And they had like this, and Cyclops literally means round eye. They had like this giant round single eye in the center of their forehead. So as you can imagine, when I get upset, it looks like I have one round eye and I'm lawless. Like I don't care about God. I don't care about people. So as you can see, the mythology of the Cyclops is basically yourself when you get upset, when you get really angry. And the, the opposite is when you're fully relaxed and your eyes are separated, which I don't know where you could find this, but then you're human. Yeah. When 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 they're <laughs> <laughs> when they're measuring beauty, that's one of the features that that they look at for beauty is how separated are their eyes from one another. Um, normally, uh, models tend to have um, wider separations between their eyes, along with 
the basic measurements that determine whether somebody is symmetrical or non-symmetrical. Obviously, there are so many parameters and beauties in the eye of the beholder. So it's not to take away if your eyes are closer together, further apart, your beauty lies within you, not in the exterior because everything fades. But going back to the golf round, I started to widen my eyes and absorb the entire field. And the moment I, I started doing that, there was a deep sense of communion with nature. And there was a deep sense of appreciation for the trees and the wind and the moving the movement of the of the the foliage. And I had this moment where I, I was starting to really come from gratitude. And then back to the Cyclops, I'm about to hit a shot. And I'm like, man, I'm I get so closed off when I'm so focused at what I have to do. So the first few holes were were a little bumpy. I was I was off my game. I I was not doing well. And then I'm like, okay, you gotta you gotta keep working on on the relaxation of the brow. You gotta keep on working at absorbing nature in through your third eye. Sounds a little wonky, but at the time it gave me this this sense of relief to be able to be fully relaxed. And and before I knew it, I started, I call it magic. When things are start to happen that I visualize and they just start happening just as I visualize them. And I made a shot from like 35 yards for an eagle. And I'm like, whoa, that was super exciting. And then I had to remind myself, hey, slow it down, relax the bridge of your eyes. And it was like this ebb and flow between my mind and this deassociation of who I am and the observance of it all. And I started having these, this dance, this, this feeling of walking in the land and feeling the weight of the club and this whole relaxation. And before I knew it, the round was over and I had seen so many wonderful shots that I wound up shooting even par, getting second place in the tournament. And the experience that I had out there on the golf course was so profound and and so beautiful that I I wasn't even that excited about winning second place, which is the best finish I've ever had at a tournament. I was just in such a, a state of awe and appreciation for the walk that I just had had, and I I realized like I I want to apply that that same walk, you know, when I'm cooking or when I'm working, and I've realized that. That same relaxation that I could gain from from that walk in the golf course also gives me back in my daily routine of things that I do from taking a walk in the morning and absorbing all the beauty that surrounds me to being present with the people that I love by absorbing and being engulfed in the entire room. So I, I highly suggest that if you have an opportunity to unwind your 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 sight or your gaze and really relax that eyebrow you're going to allow all the energy from around you to to come and serve you instead of you trying to push and and instill your way in the world i feel like having that experience made me understand that there are forces that are far greater than myself that i'm unaware of that are there to aid and support you in the things that you really want to do. So 
that was my experience and man, it was awesome. I, I really, really enjoyed it. Yeah, it reminds me of uh, what they teach in Buddhism, which is present moment awareness. You're basically being present to the to the moment. You're not living in the past. You're not living in the future. And you're completely aware of your body, your emotions, your surroundings. There's like this keen awareness of who you are, where you are, what you're doing. And you're completely present with that whole experience. You're not letting your mind run or your emotions run in like 10 different directions. And that's exactly what you explained. And I kind of want to touch back on the mechanics of this whole taking things through the, the third eye. And from what you explained, that when you're agitated or you're frustrated, immediately you're like brow furrows. And basically you're saying is that bring awareness to that. And relax your third eye, relax your eyebrows or that bridge between your two brows and, and try to take in the experience through your third eye. Yeah, the, the mind gets confused when your facial expressions are giving it mixed signals. And one of the things that we learn through neurolinguistic programming and hypnosis is that we have these routine patterns that that almost put you in autopilot and by taking control or awareness of one facet of that routine all of a sudden that piece of code no longer works and this is used by people like tony robbins and and therapists to break through the cycles that have held you hostage with phobias or fears or or even bad relationships because we tend to create habits out of things so that we could we can minimize the brain power that's required to operate. Um, for instance, for a baby to lift up a cup and drink, it's a lot of a lot of mental capacity to pull that off. By the time we're grown up, that that's just second nature. You could pick up that cup while still doing high complex functioning with the other side of the brain because it's become routine. And that's what I'm talking about. We create these routines and patterns with our emotions and our daily living. And by bringing that awareness or taking a hold of one aspect of our facial expression, like our brows, it all of a sudden gives you autonomy, it gives you that freedom to be able to snap out of that routine, snap out of that conditioning that you've had within yourself for so long that you, so you no longer are the hostage. Now, all of a sudden you're on the driver's seat and you could then go create the, the reality that you want and you deserve. Well, so if you haven't tried it, definitely try out this technique. I, I have been trying to do it myself and uh, I can't say I had the kind of success that you did on the golf course. I'm still trying to get the hang of this whole, like, you know, relaxing. I think the most important thing is being aware that this is happening. Um, I think somewhere I'd read about, you know, Charles Darwin saying that in the face of uncertainty, we open our eyes to literally gather more sensory information about where there is danger ahead. So if we're like facing uncertainty, we suddenly open up our eyes and we're like, oh, I can see more. 
I can be aware of more. I can be present to what more is there. And I think with the, it's very similar to this, except you're saying instead of just opening up your eyes, open up your third eye so that you can take in what the universe is giving you. Because there are certain messages even that our physical sensory perceptions can't perceive. It's more than that. I want you to, you want to try it out. This is, this is what I go through. So if you're out there and you're sitting, go for it. If you're driving or doing something that's requiring your full attention, please pause the audio now. <laughs> yeah, so don't at, do this when you're driving. Please don't. <laughs> so one of the things that will, you'll notice is that your shoulders, the more your shoulders are back and down, the more confident you're going to feel. Also, your hands, if, if you put your hands on your hips while your shoulders are back, it gives you a sense of confidence and your brain will start actually firing all the great chemicals. So with your shoulders back and down and your eyebrows fully relaxed, take a deep breath. And when you get to the top of the breath, take another small breath to inhale as much as possible and then exhale the entire amount. So that's the Superman pose, basically. Yes, I use a Superman pose before I tee off on a golf shot because I am putting myself in a position of power and confidence before I go into embark on a shot that I'm afraid of or that I might be hesitant of. So by having your shoulders down and back, by having your eyebrows relaxed, by putting your, your hands on your hips and opening up your chest, you start giving your mind all these signals that you are a powerful, confident, vibrant, perfect human being. And your mind can't keep up with it. It starts believing it. So those are the things that you can control. But if you see yourself crossing your arms, hunching forward, breathing shallow, all those things are going to start telling you you're scared, you're, fright you're frightened, you're fearful. But the beautiful thing is that meditative, that meditation work that you've been working on for, for so long, and if not, today is a great day to start, will make you aware that your, your shoulders are rounded, will make you aware that your hands are crossed and your breath is shallow. So that's why it's very important to take those two minutes a day to work on your meditation so that you could bring that awareness, so that you could put your focus energy wherever you choose to, not wherever it wants to be. And by doing so, you could start boycotting or sabotaging your, your destructive patterns so that you could have long-lasting positive change will it not only affect you, but everybody around you that you love. I don't have anything more to add, so we can wrap this up. Sounds good. <laughs> I highly recommend pay attention to what Abiel had said. If you missed certain parts, go back and listen to it because I think this technique has been very invaluable to him. I'm starting to practice it more and more. And, you know, we'll probably do a follow up to like see how things are going with us. But you had that amazing experience at the golf course, which won you second place. 
And it didn't even bother you that you came in second. You could have easily gotten first because from what you told me, you missed it by a shot. Yep, one shot. But yeah. the experience of being out there and being at peace with myself, that was worth way more than that tournament could have ever gotten back to me. That exp- The experience itself was my present. Yeah. You, you were in love with just playing the game, not the outcome of the game. For sure. Yeah. So that's it for us this uh, episode. Um, you know, rate, review, subscribe, spread the love, spread the message. Write to us if you like this episode. Our emails are open. Our website's open. We'd love to hear from you guys. And that's it for us at The Emotional Compass. Until next time.